Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, I am so excited to welcome back Phil Pinty to the podcast. Um, Phil was one of my fellow racers at the Desert Rats stage race this summer. Um, He's the guy, the first guy I met in the whole thing. Um, We did a podcast before the race, kind of like talking about our training, things like that. Uh, And ever since then, I mean, you know, you go through this experience and you become really good friends. And uh, in this episode, we are both extremely open about some of our past experiences we've had, um, you know, and when we're kind of examining our own why, because having a why is such an extremely powerful thing, not just for ultra marathoning, not just for endurance sports or adventures or anything like that, but just for life in general. What is that? Why? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? Why are you, why, like when you look, it's funny. Like I remember very specifically in Virginia, um, when my wife and I lived there, I went on a hike and it was to McAfee knob, which I finally learned how to pronounce that correctly, uh, for all you people on the East coast and like the Appalachian mountains, not Appalachian. (laughs) Um, but I was up there one morning and it was by myself it's an awesome hike i mean if you've never seen it look up pictures of it. it's incredible um and i got to the top at like the perfect time and it was like this beautiful sunrise uh where there were clouds still covering the sky but there were like beams of light just shining through everywhere and it was incredible and like i can't even do it justice trying to explain it by words um but i remember having this like really clear thought of like how did i end up here (laughs) you know and you you reflect back and you're like literally every single moment in my life led me to this point like led me to experience this sunrise right now and in that moment it was a really kind of touching thing and I think sometimes we get so swept up in our own stories and our own like day-to-day kind of like momentum that we don't take time to kind of reflect and think back and obviously and you're going to hear it in this episode there are the big moments in life um, most of the time unexpected uh, not always one especially in this episode like sometimes these moments are tragic and they're the ones that you know throw you off your the course that you thought you were going to be on and so that's what phil and i kind of talk about um in this episode so really uh we get i i mean this is probably the most honest raw open conversation that i've shared on the podcast so far um at least you know, from my perspective, and I have to imagine from Phil's as well. And I know we we actually talked a lot before recording this, and he felt just so kind of like called to share this part of the story. And uh, because he's like, you know what, if this helps one person or if someone finds, you know, my experiences in any way, like in any way, if it could help somebody, then why wouldn't I share it? And I totally relate to that idea and that concept. So 
so I hope you're um, as moved by Phil's story as I am. And he's just an incredible guy. So uh, I want to thank you, Phil, for for sharing. And uh, let's get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 136, Life, Family, Grief, and Ultra Running with Phil Pinty. All right, guys, this week, I'm super honored to bring back uh, my friend, Phil Pinty to the podcast. And welcome, man. I'm so excited to talk to you. Good morning, Chris. It's great to be back. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a while. Um, Phil ran Desert Rats with me. So we spent a week out in the desert. I cut his beard, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And now we're preparing for Desert Rats too. So the thing I wanted to kind of get into today, really, I mean, I was just telling you before we started, which is something podcasters always say, it seems like, but <laughs> um, I want to explore like, the why like why do we do this why do we go out and put ourselves through these intense endurance events and and i i kind of selfishly want to explore it because at this point we are what is it march so we have three more months to train and i feel like i've kind of i need to rediscover my own why and my own like eye of the tiger <laughs> to make a rocky reference yeah you have to get those in early I do. <laughs> no, I, I want to start off by just saying um, thank you so much for having me back. And uh, your, your podcast for me and I think for a bunch of other folks uh, is just really just awesome and inspiring. And I, I love that it's, it's about ultra running. It's about these adventures and stuff like that. But you your scope is so wide in regards to interviewing the elite athletes, interviewing amateurs, uh, interviewing race directors, interviewing your father. Like, I, I think it's just so awesome that you're, you're talking to people from all different walks of life. And, um, you know, although you and I are both ultra runners, we have other titles too. We're, we're husbands, we're fathers. And, What's, why do, why, I mean, I don't mean to sound like all philosophical, but what, why do we do anything that we do, you know? Yeah. And um, the different titles that we carry through life, you almost have to uh, sacrifice yourself up to that role. Uh, you know, as a father of three, three daughters, that much of parenting and much of being a spouse and stuff is, is a lot of selflessness. And you're giving up a part of you and your time and stuff like that to nurture and care and take care of your daughters and your family. And I just, something I, I've been uh, wrestling with or just stuff that I've, I've been thinking about is what, what led to you and I crossing paths? What led to me running and ultra running? And why, why do we do what we do? Why am I doing what I do? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, uh, kind of to go to what you just said um, about interviewing just all sorts of people. Uh, I'm a huge believer of just like being a sponge and anyone you meet can teach you a lesson, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're talking to like the most awesome professional athlete of all time or, you know, like 
your father or something like that. Like you can learn so much, man. And one of the reasons why trail running and ultra running has meant so much to me is because it's allowed me to meet all of these just incredible people and you race with them and you talk with them and you hang out with them at the finish line and everybody, every single person you meet can and does have the ability to completely inspire you. Mm -hmm. So thank you, man. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right back at you. Yeah. And, and your, your episode 100, uh, encompassing your personal experience at desert rats and, and what the different days meant for you and what the, the highest highs and the lowest lows meant for you, uh, really, really struck a chord with me. And, um, I, I personally just recently celebrated, uh, I don't even know if you can say celebrate or think of it as an anniversary, but, um, December was two years, uh, since I lost my wife, Jennifer. And, um, a lot of, a lot of feelings and emotions and stuff like that are coming back. And I just, I look back, why, why do we use anything in life as a gauge or as a source of, of time to try to encapsulate where we're at on this journey? But I feel like now two years out, um, I need, I need to address things. I need to recognize these things. And selfishly enough if for no one else but for me like i feel like until if you're if you're wrestling with something if you're battling with something if you're hiding something if you feel shame or guilt about something like you honestly can't move beyond it unless you're ready to accept it yeah so um i mean i guess we could just we could just kind of start from the beginning but uh my wife and i met uh when we both went to westchester university in pennsylvania and um, it was pretty much love at first sight, as many love stories start. Um, I was also in the Marine Reserves uh, after 9-11 and everything happened. I, I joined the reserves, but I didn't want to completely withdraw from college. So we, we dated all through college. And then as luck would have it, I, I graduate in um, December of 05. And then my reserve unit got activated immediately after graduating. So I wasn't, I wasn't even able to walk in graduation or anything like that. I was immediately immobilized and uh, did a buildup out in California and then served over in Iraq um, pretty much of 06. And then when I came back, uh, Jen had stood by my side through all of that. Uh, we, we weathered many ups and downs and the, the distance and you know not seeing each other for six, seven, eight months only added to our our love story. And, um, I knew, I mean, I knew before I left for, to go overseas, I knew she was going to be the one that I'd asked to marry and then, um, came back and pretty much the last 10 years, the last decade has been, um, just a whirlwind, as you know, as a husband and a father. Uh, but it just seems like time just is flying by and you, you get married and you support each other in career opportunities and so that brought us to to Maryland and um, in 2012 we welcomed my daughter Penelope and in May of 2014 we welcomed my son Nolan and then um, two years almost two Nolan was two years old uh, when Jen was diagnosed and um, 
it was like immediately following the holidays in 2016. And Jen started um, experiencing some like hip pain. And she, her and I, we like, you know, she was athletic. She would run races. She would run half marathons. And uh, that May, we were both registered for a 10K up in Hershey. And she actually had to like bail out on the, on the registration, which obviously in hindsight is, was not that important. And uh, she just went through the regular thing with her doctor and got it, you know, got herself checked out. And they're weeding out, they're not magicians. They don't, they don't know what a problem is right off the bat. They just weed out what, it, what it's not. So she went, she went to physical therapy and she went to acupuncture and she was doing all this stuff. And then um, June, June 1st is a day that will always stand out in my mind, but we knew that she was going to go in for like a full body CAT scan. And um, where I work, uh, we have like caller ID on the phone or whatever. And I knew June, you know, we both knew June 1st was going to be like a really big day. So she, she goes to the, the doctor's appointment and she calls in there shortly thereafter. And I pick up the phone and there's just silence on the other, on the other line. And I, I knew it was her and I, I can't have my cell phone in work or anything like that. So I tell her, just stay where you're at. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right out to talk with you. And so we talk and she says that the doctors and stuff, they got the results back like immediately. And uh, she said she had, the doctors told her she had metastatic bone disease in her hip. And I'm not like a, I'm not a cancer expert. I, um, you know, we both didn't know what that meant, but anytime you hear something is metastasized or it's metastatic, yeah. uh, that's not really good news. So, um, and then it was just kind of like a whirlwind from there. Um, she was diagnosed June 1st and then she passed away December 13th, 2016. So, yeah, man, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I know it cancer is such a thing. Like every single person is affected by it in some way or another. And mm -hmm. it's horrible, man. I mean, I can't imagine what she went through, like having to, think about that there's something in your body that's like actively hurting you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and man. I think that's been, I don't want to cut you off, but I think that's been one of my biggest, probably one of the biggest inspirations of my life is just seeing, uh, this, this young, beautiful, caring, empathetic, compassionate, nurturing, loving person that like, I mean, we, we both look, at the people that we love or admire with, with rose colored glasses. But, uh, I've, I never saw Jen do a bad thing like ever. And she was just the most wonderful person you could ask to like spend your life with or be the mother of your children. So when you see somebody like that be handed what she was handed and just, and just take it, you know, I, there, there's nothing poetic I can say besides like just taking it on the chin and just, keeping your head up for like, for the people around you, for your children. Like I, I can't imagine being 33 years old and being handed practically like a death sentence, you know? Yeah. And you do yeah. have that. I have to imagine you have that responsibility because you do have young kids, you know, and man, I just, my heart goes out to you, Phil. Like I, that's, I, I'm trying to even like comprehend how you must have been feeling there because you know you are 
at that point you are her like rock, but you're also dad and you're the guy who, you know, is you, the thing I think is like, you have to struggle with this for yourself and yet at the same time, be strong for your kids and be strong for Jen. And that, that's a hard task. Can you kind of like talk about that a little bit? Like give us kind of some insight on how you handled that. I don't want to, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think very much of what I've been living the last two years without Jen is any, any time you face a tragedy or you face adversity in life, no matter what it is, it could be the loss of a loved one. It could be addiction. It could be depression. Yeah. Um, you, you lose so much of your self identity. You lose, we were a young, very young family with a four and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And we, you know, we celebrated our, um, our seven, our seven year wedding anniversary in, in a gym was in a hospital bed, you know? And, um, I just kind of, I, I think when you're faced with stuff like that, you just, you just kind of go on like autopilot. And that's why, that's why what you hold on to as truths when you're, when things are okay, that that really shows its colors when like the crap's hitting the fans, so to speak. Like if you, it, people, people are always going to be judged or be, you know, there's always going to be Monday morning quarterbacks, but I think it's not, anybody can PR when it's a beautiful day and it's like 45 degrees outside. Yeah. Like the, the stories that get talked about are people doing extraordinary things when shit's not going their way. And I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make that into some sort of analogy that I deserve some sort of pat in the back or something, but I, cause I, I definitely, there were things I could have done better, but I, I don't, I don't think there's been another time in my life where I had no idea how I was going to get through it. Like, I mean, when you, I don't know how you can be mourning the love of your life, your soulmate, and then have to switch gears and be the light of someone else's life, you know, like, and be, and be a father to such young children and, and he, and wear all the, I mean, all the hats in between. It, it was the, it was the complete spectrum of, I was still going to work and um, still doing all the things that, that everybody does. But I mean, uh, uh, by any means, but um, that was one of the hardest things because you want to focus on the things that are happening real time and you don't want to, you don't want to miss a thing, but at the same time, there's other stuff that needs to get done. So. Yeah. Yeah. How, I mean, how, do, how did you, I mean, you said go on autopilot. What do you mean by that? Um, you kind of have to compartmentalize like your life. And when you're, and this, this could apply to anything when, when people are going through anything they're going through when you were, I, I don't think it's uh, not good or not fine to kind of wear, not like wear different masks, but like when you're at work, be at work, be a hundred percent at work. When you were in the hospital visiting with your wife, given the circumstances and stuff like that, like, I feel like it really helps you tune in your focus. And obviously there were days that like my hair was on fire and I was running late and the kids were late to school and stuff like that. But, 
and and our family was very very supportive and um people came down to help us out and people sent meals to the house and all those things to, to keep the wheels to keep the wheels on the train but yeah man you just you can't nothing in life you don't get like do-overs on and hindsight's 2020 you can always do things better but I, th I feel like if you just try to stay as present as you can in any given circumstance like that's the best that anybody can ask from you yeah how was then, how was Jen kind of handling like handling hanging out with the kids and hanging out with you and stuff like that I I've never seen a more I've never seen a more like inspirational she wasn't she wasn't doing it for those reasons but when you know when you know someone's backstory when you know all the interest interests uh, whatever uh the, interest. the intrinsic parts so, of yeah. intricities of a person and like you know their kryptonite or you you know what makes them happy what makes them sad like knowing all that I knew as an adult about what Jen was facing and then seeing the way she would interact with the children or seeing the way she would interact with her parents or seeing the way she would interact with her coworkers or after, after she received radiation and chemotherapy, she went back to work and, you know, I, I don't want to know if her office did that as a therapeutic thing or just to bring a smile upon her face. But like that first day back to work, was the happiest I'd seen her in the longest time. And like, she wasn't, the crazy thing is like, she wasn't faking it. Like she may have been faking it. Who knows? I mean, who knows what she was thinking or how she was feeling. But like that day that she went back to work was like the happiest I'd seen her in like the longest time, just because like she was doing, she got to see her friends and she got to be with the people who loved and cared about her. And, um, I think people need to know that they're appreciated and her, her family at work definitely missed having her there, you know? Yeah. So, and there's probably a bit of the whole, like going back to a normal routine after going through all these things mm -hmm. that are completely abnormal. And, you know, you're probably when you're in a situation that is not routine you're constantly kind of like thinking about it and analyzing it and then if you go back to work you can kind of like get back on not autopilot but you can kind of just be like okay this feels normal again yeah yeah there's a lot of comfort in in a schedule in a plan i mean we we all know yeah. that and i think that's why we resort to those things and when when life throws you a curveball like that like there was comfort in, in going back and trying to get back into the in the normal routine the swing of things so yeah man yeah oh uh, well uh, you talked about during this time at at some point you signed up for your first ultra what was what was the drive for that like are these things connected or is it you know what i mean like is this connected to your situation with Jen and all that, or is this kind of like a separate thing? Uh, yeah, so I, I registered for uh, the mid Maryland, uh, like a little 50 uh, K here in my backyard. And I, I, I don't remember, I don't know if I, if I had registered before Jen was diagnosed June 1st or somewhere between somewhere around then I registered for this ultra. And uh, it was in February of 2017. 
and that would have been like around two months after after losing Jen, after Jen had passed. And um, I mean, just just that in itself, uh, I think you you know going back to me saying to try to be as present as possible. I mean, that was just a complete whirlwind, and you know. I was out of work for about a month. Um, during that time, I hired my nanny who helped me for two years. I actually just had to say goodbye to her, but uh, she helped for two years to get the kids up and off to school and whatnot. And um, just, you know, going back to that quote unquote normal um, with the school routine and the work routine and all those things, I was just, I mean, I don't want to say autopilot because that makes me sound like I'm not, I wasn't present, but you, you just go back to, it, and it, it parallels ultra running extremely well because it's when do I eat? When do I sleep? Where do I stop? Where do I go? Uh, anyway, so mid Maryland was the first ultra and that was the first race or any, any, any circumstance or priority that I ever questioned in life. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I don't need to be doing this. Um, you know, it gave me the opportunity maybe to, to reach out to the in-laws or something to, to have, to get somebody to like watch the kids. And I was probably like in the moment thinking like, not selfishly, but like this will give me a little breather to be in my own mind and, and not have to worry about the children or anything like that. But also leading up to this race, like the more, the way I wake up the morning of, and I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, I don't need to be doing this in February in Maryland what I got nothing to prove to nobody like this is stupid it's ridiculous like not as people know the like persona and everything else aside I'm just saying like me with me you don't have to do this but then at the end of the I mean for some for some reason I I decided to go and then you know you look at the last two years and you look at the other adventures and people I've met and all these things and I'm like I guess the moral for me Although somebody may look at that and just be like, that's stupid. Like who, who cares? That's just one day on a calendar. But for me, I'm like, if I wouldn't have showed up to that race, if I wouldn't have run that race, completed that race, got that fire of like, you know what? I can, even when it, the weather's crummy, even when I feel like crap, even when I want to even in a sense, give up on myself, like, what's the point? Who cares? I, I, I went and I did it. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't, for whatever, whatever it's worth. I wonder, um, Cause kind of to relate to, um, to my own kind of moment of darkness, I guess. And you referred to it. I talked about it a little bit, um, early, like on a earlier podcast, but my wife and I lost, uh, our first daughter. Um, she was still born at seven months and, um, I just remember it's this weird thing of, I have to process these emotions. I have to process this darkness. But at the same time, I have to be strong for another person. And um, and for me, going out on a run every single day, I would go out for a run. And that would be that processing time for me where I'm like, I don't have to put on a brave face right now. I just have to go out and run. And during that time, I would listen to music, you know, sometimes I would just run, I would be super numb, like I wouldn't feel anything. Sometimes I would run and I would feel so angry where I was like, I specifically remember running around Gray's Lake in Des Moines on this beautiful day 
And I remember having this thought of, I, I hope somebody tries to fight me right now. <laughs> and that's not me at all. Like that's not the person I am. And yet on that day, that's all I wanted. You know, I had this darkness mm-hmm. and, and then during those runs though, like it was that time to myself where I was able to take off my brave face for a little bit and try to like internalize how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I hear about you and I think about you, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't even begin to comprehend putting on that brave face for my kids, like doing it for my children, my innocent children, you know, who just lost their mom and they're going through their own thing. Like, I'm sure when you're at home, you have to be the hero. You have to be the guy they're watching, they're looking to, to uh, kind of see how you are handling everything. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm just curious, like was running your exploration of darkness, like even to this day, I'll run ultras and not, it's not every time it's not every race, but I'll run them so I can have this like, kind of healthy exploration of of this darkness because you know you hear about people when they go through really hard times they turn to a lot or sometimes they turn to like unhealthy means to deal with it you know like mm-hmm. alcohol or drugs or you know whatever um and i kind of feel like ultra running can be used and i i i'm sure people can relate to this but it's like this healthy way to explore this darkness and these feelings and and internalize this moment absolutely absolutely uh i I don't want to i don't want to name drop or anything but two things i i constantly resort back to are um from words of wisdom from david goggins yeah and also from uh joe rogan and um something david goggins always says uh is to get rid of that poopy pants mentality <laughs> and I mean it's it sounds silly but like there's so many times in our life where something happens first thing in the morning you get like a, a speeding ticket or something that really I mean it sucks but like it does that doesn't matter that's not like threatening your life or well-being or anything like that but like something yeah. crummy happens and then it just has an effect like a snowballing effect to just impact the rest of your day and you know you and I you and I sharing our stories, we, we more than well, like deserve to have that kind of pampy, uh, poopy pants mentality. But why, if, if you can consciously do something or if you can do something with intention, why would you want to keep yourself in that zone? Like, and it sucks and it's hard and there's good days and there's bad days and there's good moments and bad moments. But like, I just always hear Goggins like, you know, don't, don't be a part of that, man. Go back to your cookie jar and find stuff that you've done that are like really hard that most people can't do. Like, and I, I think like bringing up that point, I think the thing with me with ultra running is if I can run a race and the conditions suck and I forgot my food and I, my shoelace breaks and the course is muddy and people are grumpy and all these things like if you want to do hard things, you got to do hard things. And you, I feel like you and I willingly put ourselves into these situations so that we have something to go back to, to say, 
I did that and I can do this. Like I've got, I mean, honestly, all the pomp and the circumstance and the silliness that I like bring into racing, like it's for nobody but myself. Yeah. And doing desert rats or meeting you or all these awesome things. I'm like, in a sense, I, I will that into reality. Like you and I wouldn't be talking if we didn't cross paths at desert rats. Yeah. And you can either choose to be as positive as you can in these circumstances or negative, And it's going to breed those things for right or for wrong. And then with Joe Rogan, he said many times that like, why do people take the upper road or why do people do crummy things or whatever? And he, he says that like, try to envision yourself as being the narrator of your own life. And like at the beginning of a drama or something, there's always that conscious voice or like the wonder years voice. And, and if you envision that somebody's narrating the actions that you do throughout the day, I feel like you would just do better things and act kinder. And even when I have an extremely crummy day and I'm, and my patience is at its end or something like how can I not try my best when I'm with the kids at the end of the night or when I'm reading storybooks with them or something like they, they see me through their little eyes and really to them, it doesn't matter what else has happened in my day. Yeah. As long as, as long as they're getting the best me that they can get, like that's what they're going to remember me by, you know? Yeah. And I, I you're kind of talking about the, the power of just being in the present moment and mm-hmm. I didn't realize this power until faced with this adversity. And I remember the months after that there just happened in town, like someone started a book club and they were studying this like meditation book. And my friend's like, you should join us. Like you should come. And I was like, okay. And I'm so grateful that I did that. And I don't meditate like, Unfortunately, I don't meditate now. <laughs> I should, but I'm so grateful I did that because it did remind me uh, just having conversations with, with people at the time was so powerful to me. And it was, it was all about that. You're right. You're 100% right. Like what happened earlier in the day to make you mad, like ultimately doesn't matter nearly as much as this present moment. And when I think about parenting too, I think about, I think it's hard because you don't get to see the outcome. Like you don't get to see how your kids, like eventually you'll see how they turn out and how they are as people. But in, in the day to day, you're like, this is really frustrating at times. And I'm not, I'm not getting the, like the outcome right away, you know? Mm. And I think it's like super important to do what you just said, which is to remind yourself like, Hey, just like ultra running, like every tiny footstep eventually adds up to this long race, right? Like every tiny footstep adds up to all these miles. So every footstep really matters. Um, and with parenting, it's like every moment where you can be your absolute best, like that's ultimately going to result in you being a successful parent. And you know, we, we don't always, we're not always at our absolute best all the time, but it's good to like remind, it's good for me to remind myself of that. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm no, I'm no doctor, but like, I think humans and mammals and animals, like the young mirror what the adults do, what their parents do. So like even those insignificant things that we think, you know, don't matter. I, I mean, my, 
the, the silver lining, one of the silver linings of the circumstance is just, I mean, I think on the whole, my level of like patience, empathy, compassion, I'm not, I mean, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm just saying I look at the way I was when life was hunky dory and everything was great, grand and wonderful. And I look at it now and it's like, nobody would hold it against me if I was bitter, if I was resentful, if I was like a shell of the fill that I used to be. And like, I mean, I may never be, I mean, rightfully so, that fill probably doesn't exist anymore because Jen doesn't, like Jen's not here. And, you know, I didn't just lose a, a spouse. I didn't just lose the mother of my children. I, I lost a, a personal identity. I lost a family identity. I lost a partner to help me raise two beautiful children for like the rest of their lives. And I just look at it now, like you and I talk about these horrible things that we both experienced, but I'm not trying to be funny or anything. Like I look at these things as like almost like a superpower because it's not, it's not the things that we do good that we should be commended for. It's, it's the things that we are up against the ropes with that, we have to like consciously work at those are the hardest things in life. And that's what makes worth life worth living or, or, you know, we, you and I don't necessarily need to be champions, but that to me is my definition of a champion is just yeah. somebody that is up against these incredible odds and they just keep like showing up. Like it's for, it's for nobody selfishly enough. It's for nobody, but like me and my kids and you and I are going to have to make decisions as fathers, as spouses and, people from the outside may not always see why we're doing what we're doing, but as long as like, again, not to get all philosophical, but like, as long as your conscience approves of, of like your actions, like there's no better choice you can make because every choice everybody makes is always like a 50, 50 choice, you know? Yeah. And, and given our circumstances, like we can't afford to like overanalyze because it's the, it's the moments of indecision where things don't know. You either you either have to go or don't go. Like there's no there's no in, in between. Yeah. You wax on, you wax off. But like that's <laughs> that's it, man. Yeah. I I read a man. I think it was like a Stephen King book, and I was like, man, I'm drawing wisdom from a Stephen King book right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I can't. Remember. It was some character talking about her father, and her father's basically just like, hey, when like that idea, you're faced with a decision, you either do it or you don't do it. But if you take time, if you take too much time and you just think about it, then you're, that's the person making the mistake. Like, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's the whole like stoicism idea. Like you make the decision and you live with that decision, um, I guess. And it doesn't mean us as, us as men or husbands or fathers or sons. It's not that we can't go back and like say we're sorry if we made like the wrong decision. It's just that like, so many times in life, it's that like in between moment where you're wrestling with like, what, what should I do? And I, I, I guess ultimately it's like a, it's an analogy for having this cast with you. It's like, not that I need maybe for nobody else, but myself for this cathartic therapeutic moment to like self actualize and realize like where I'm at. But for as long as you're wrestling with something, for as long as you're not facing something, for as long as you're not moving forward like it could be a baby step man it could be some days i take three steps other days i'm 10 steps back yeah 
but like you have to just be real with yourself, be present. And it's, it's not fun, man. Like there's sometimes that like progress is not fun or change is not fun, but like when it's all said and done, if you can like lay in bed at night and say, you know, today I made the best that I could do with what I was given. Like there's nothing else you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, like the process, right? Like you have to do the process, you know, it's, it's the whole, uh, lining up at the start line of an ultra and just being like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I know I'm going to go through some stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, I have to go through it. I, I, I always think about the, I don't know if you've read this book to your kids, but it's called, we're going on a bear hunt. I I have not now. Oh man, you got to read, you're going on a bear hunt. So it's basically like this family's going, they're like walking through the woods and stuff and they keep coming across these obstacles and it's like, Oh my God, there's mud. What are we going to do? And then it's like, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. We just got to go through it. And they go through it and then they're faced with another obstacle and it's like, Oh man, there's a snowstorm. We just got to go through it. And like, I always think about that in all sorts of aspects of life is like, you can't, sometimes there are things that are unavoidable. And if you go through something, and I think most people unfortunately will at some point in their lives, like you're going to go through moments of grief and you can't avoid it. You just have to go like, you just have to go through it and it sucks and it's terrible. And like, you're like, I wish I didn't, I don't wish this on anyone in the whole entire world. And yet here it is. And now it's time to like go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a part of me that's like, why, why, why make something that's such a personal thing, such a, such a open thing, but like, like, exactly what you said, like in, in some regard, everyone's going to have to go through and, and, you know, I, we're, we're speaking explicitly about, about grief. For I don't know what it's like to face X, Y, or Z. Cause I've never personally faced X, Y, or Z, but, um, in regards to, to grief, like I would have never, you, you say in bad times like this, like I would never wish this on anybody. And I think when you and I say something like that, it's like, I would never wish this on myself. You know, like yeah. there's nothing that you and I have done to put ourselves in this situation. Like life, life is life. And you have to make, you have to make the most out of like what you've been given, you know? And I'm, I don't want to say like, I don't want to forget about all the happy times and all that fun, fun memories of, of planning for like a life together, but there comes a time where, and, and grief is not just like a line in a sand, in the sand that like you and I put the line there and then we step over it and you say, okay, that was fun. Thanks for yeah, shaking exactly. your hand. And you're like, thanks buddy. It was a fun ride. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think you have to almost, I'm sorry to drop a, a movie, a movie reference here, but like at the end of the matrix, the end of the matrix, like always left me like dumbfounded. Cause I'm like, hold on. Like, Neo goes, goes through this whole adventure and then he just has to like jump inside of, of what was the agent's name? Agent Smith. Yeah. He just, he just jumps into him and like embodies him. And then agent Smith explodes from the inside and like, ta-da, like the matrix. And I guess what I'm trying to get is like, sometimes you just have to like dive into grief and say like, I know you're here. I know you're with me. And 
you just have to let it like, you know, if you need a moment to cry it out, if you need a moment to get angry and go for a run, you, you just weather that storm. And then when it's done, you say, why was I so bent out? I mean, you rightfully so you should be bent out of shape, but like you get through it and then you say to yourself, holy shit, I'm really glad I didn't do something stupid or I'm really glad I didn't feel like going to work today, but I went to work anyway and it turned out to be a great day. Like yeah. you don't know until you get to the end of it that you say to yourself, ah, it really wasn't that bad, you know? So yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I always, I, I mean, movie references, first of all, are always welcomed on the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> uh, to me, honestly, man, and I'm going to say a word, I'm not even sure if I can pronounce, but po- poignant, I always struggle with poignant, uh-huh. but the most poignant, I, thing struggle, with, I struggle with a lot of words, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the most poignant, like line of dialogue I think I've ever seen on TV or movies or anything um, was on the show, the Netflix show glow, which is about eighties mm-hmm. female professional wrestlers. Hmm. Have you seen this? I've not, I, I should have seen this, but I have not. It's a First of all, the show is fantastic. Like it's mm-hmm. phenomenal, but Mark Marin is the like wrestling promoter director of the show. Um, and there's a whole subplot where he has a daughter and she eventually, she doesn't like pass away or anything. She just moves into a different city. Mm-hmm. And I, in one of the episodes he's talking about her and he's this like really like manly guy who's like, doesn't speak much about his feelings, you know, kind of like the whole, like not even macho, but like just closed off kind of. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, Man, dude, I'm telling you, this line gets me every time. But he's talking about why he's like wondering out loud, like why it hurts so much that this he didn't even know this. He he had a daughter before, right? He barely barely knew her, and then got to know her, and then she left. And he's like, why does this hurt so much? And he talks about like he's made. He's like, it's like you make this space in your heart, and then for this person and then they're gone but you still have that space there and now it's just empty and you're like dude i was watching that and (laughs) i was like i looked over at my wife and i'm like he just nailed it man he just nailed that feeling that line of dialogue got it better than anything i've ever seen or heard or read or anything like that yeah and it's the hard part that's the hard part is figuring out the rest of my life, like, how am I going to handle this? Yeah. Well, when you're, when you're expecting a, a child or you're expecting to share a life with someone or something like that, like you, you are, you're absolutely right. You, I feel like much of life's happiness or love or something is almost like, it's like a series of like mini sacrifices. And when you first get to know someone or when you start getting closer or when you decide to go in on the first major commitment together, it's this series of like small sacrifices. And when you open that part of your heart and then things like don't go the way you had planned, but like, you're absolutely right, man. Like, what do you, and it's almost an unfillable spot because you, you had that little, not even little, you had that part of your heart allocated for a specific thing. And then it doesn't, it doesn't go as planned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then I just always remember thinking like, and I still think about this, 
you're like, man, and then I'm, I was on a very like clear cut path in my mind. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I've like veered <laughs> wildly to the left of that path. And you still think though, you're like in some other universe, like I'm still on that original path. And like, what would that have been like? And it's hard to, it's hard to like deal with that. And you don't want to like let it go. And yet at the same time, you're like, but I'm not on that path anymore. Like I'm on, yeah, I'm on a different thing. And I think yeah. that's something that's just interesting to think about. It's, it's people can get hung up on it though, I guess. And I guess for me, like the whole running thing and ultra running thing, like there are so many reasons why I like it. It's not just to deal with these feelings and these emotions because there's so much, you know, dude, you saw me run. Like I run with this big goofy, dumb grin on my face. Most of the race, you know what I mean? Cause I've, and I like the exploration, all that, but there is an aspect of it where it allows me to deal with these thoughts and like really comprehend them without any distraction. And I'm just curious, yeah. like, is it the same for you? Like, is that, <laughs> for example, <laughs> not to no, bring I mean, that makes, that makes complete sense. And I like, I, I don't think whether it's, whether it's life or like ultra running, like it doesn't matter what your race is, what your class is, where you grew up, where you were born, your family or anything like that. Like I, something I wrestled with for the longest time was that you I think it's a human, an inherited human understanding that you're, you're taught from a very, very young age that like, if you are, if you are a good little boy or a good little girl, if you play by the rules, if you're nice with others, if you, you know, go to bed when you're supposed to go to bed and you brush your teeth and you, you do, it, it starts that young and then it builds and builds and builds and builds. But it's like, if you are, if you try your absolute best, then like everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And like the biggest thing for me is that like not that any human being goes into something with, with stuff they think they're they're worthy of or they're deserving of, but like this idea of like some sort of privileged great face on anything is is completely unrealistic. And I mean, life is going to happen to everybody. And I, I, what I love about running and ultra running and, and pushing ourselves to these limits is like when you're on the starting line, it doesn't matter who you're there with, whether personally or on the whole, anybody can have like their day. Like, I mean, it's, it's, and it's not even about how you place or what your time was or what accolades you get, like everyone in their own minds, you know, Bart Yasser said something effective, like at the end of a race, we all get to the finish line, but we took different roads to get to the starting line. And that goes back to like my first ultra, like, the, the success that day was not even in finishing. It was that I got my butt up and out the door to something that I thought like, why is this even important? And really like the moral of the thing was it had nothing to do with ultra running. It had to do with like life. And like, now I look back at that and like, if I've got a meeting that I have to go to, or if I have to take the kid, you know, parent teacher conferences, all these things that we as parents, as human beings just normally have to do, you know, why get all on a fluff about it? Like just plan your day accordingly, take off a little early and get the kid to the doctor's appointment. You know, like it's not, uh, you and I aren't doing anything that like everyday people are doing, but for some people, what you don't see behind the scenes, like you can't judge a book by its cover. 
people people assume that certain people have their things together or Chris Ward has such a great cushy life or you know Phil does you know what, whatever the excuse or whatever the the thing is like people don't know what's going on behind the scenes and that to me whether Chris Ward's personal truth or my personal truth like that's the reason why we do what we do so to to prove to ourselves that we we had it in ourselves the entire time like we don't need we don't need anybody to give it to us. It's you know, it goes back another movie reference is like Wizard of Oz. Dorothy's trying to get home. Dorothy's trying to get home, and then Glenda the Good Witch is like, you know, all you have to do, silly, is click your heels and then you're home. Like you had you had the power in you. This whole journey, it's just the journey and who she met and the adventure she took, and 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 conquering her own quote unquote witches or demons or dragons. It's through that process that you realize you had the power the whole time. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. I think yeah. that's one of the biggest, biggest things you can learn in life just in general. Cause and nobody, nobody can teach it to you. Nobody can give it to you. Like I can't, it, it's not like we can donate time or donate whatever to a, to a cause. It's something that like we ourselves have to achieve for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I dude, from doing this podcast, that's the biggest thing I've learned is like, you know, you mentioned talking to professional athletes and things like that. And dude, no one's different. Like no one's that much different. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if you talk to a, a big time professional athlete, they would just look at you and be like, no, man, like, I'm just like you, you could do this too. You just have to be intentional with the steps you're taking. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like, dude, me and you so running you, you, ultras, me and yeah. running desert yeah. rats, like, and any of the ultras we've run, like, I don't think I'm like special or like a freak athlete. Like I always joke with, with Lindsay, I'm like, I'm the most average person in the world. Like I've always been like super average in everything. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, that's how I feel though. Like I feel since I've had my experience leading up to doing some of these like athletic events or whatever, like. I feel like anyone could do these things. And I guess the lessons we're talking about right now, like I've learned and processed so much because of doing these endurance events. Mm -hmm. so. you, and I, you and I, we are just regular guys who've been faced with unusual circumstances. And, uh, you know, but you're, 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 a, you're a, top, a science teacher and you're a father and you're a parent and you got three little girls and all these things. But like, look at the stuff that you're doing just like quote unquote as a hobby or something. And then, and then people want to smack talk like professional basketball players or professional football players or people who are quote unquote champions. And it's like, could you imagine, you know, I don't want to build ourselves up too much, but like if you could devote as much time to something as these people have de devoted to, like, I don't want to say a corny phrase that like, you know, there's a champion in all of us, but it's all about, what you do with your time like nobody has any more time than anyone else and if you if there's a hundred things that people can devote their time to all throughout the day so many distractions i'm guilty of it just as much as the next person but if, if you want to wonder why somebody can do x y or z stop worrying about like why they're doing it and start worrying about why you aren't partaking in the things that you need to do to get yourself there you know like nobody's a piano prodigy by just looking at a keyboard yeah. you have to practice it so yeah exactly yeah. and 
I mean, I look at you as an inspiration because I'm in so many ways, like as a father and I, I haven't actually ever seen you like parent, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm like, dude, he's a, he's single dad right now. And I know you have a foundation of people, you know, like a family who are, are able to help you out along the way. But I'm like, he's a single dad and yet, and he works full time and yet he makes this this other aspect of his life which is a runner he makes it work mm. and I, I think yeah, yeah. i mean all, all through life i kind of said earlier on but like there's all these roles that are titles that we get throughout life and you know i i don't need to make this line in the sand like on a podcast to say like i'm ready to accept the widower title or the single parent title or the this that or the other thing but like I guess it is my declaration to say I'm not completely through this thing, but like maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting to stage where like, I don't want to be a, a widower anymore, or I don't want to be a single parent anymore. Like you, you're capable of, there's some things that we can change and some things that we can't change, but until you, and like I said, you and I don't, we're not experts in any field. We're just two guys talking on a podcast we're only talking from personal experience but you know i'm a veteran i'm a father and there are some things that have happened to me and i i don't know if i agree with them but like i i understand that they make me who i am yeah and so many people are wrestling with i i, I can only judge myself but i'm just saying in this day and age you see so many people that don't even know what their own ideals are. They don't even know like what they stand for, but yet are willing to like fall on their sword for like X, Y, and Z cause or getting themselves involved with stuff they don't need to get themselves involved with. And like, I think that like if everyone just got down to the root of it, like just, it's not selfish to like just focus on you. Like just think about you and think about your pros, your cons, what you can work at, what, what, You'll never, I mean, I'm five foot nine. I'm never going to play basketball or even be good at basketball or even be able to dribble a basketball. But like, <laughs> there's other things that if I can just put the time into, I might not be so bad, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, man. Do you think there's something to be said about, I just feel like guys don't have these conversations as much like if you look at the classic like masculine thing right is like you know when people reach our age was like 30s 40s you make friends and you talk about golf or like the basketball game and or the the football game you watch which is fun like i like talking about that just as much as the next guy mm -hmm. and yet to form these like really deep meaningful bonds and friendships like talking about these deeper ideas is really important. Like, have you faced that at all? Cause you know, I know even for me, like I just, I know for my friends, it's probably, they probably, people don't know how to bring this up around you where it's like, Oh, I know you lost somebody. I'm not sure how to even like, maybe, you know, like my friend, Travis, he lost his mom recently. Um, and he's like my best friend in the whole wide world. And yet for the last, like probably like nine, 
or 10 months beyond just being like, how are you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. Like beyond that, we haven't really like started really digging into like, how are you healing? And like, we haven't had that conversation. And I just, I think it would be a powerful thing. Cause I, I, I know for me, like the whole grief thing, like I looked online and I, after we lost Dylan and it was like, I typed in like dads going through whatever loss or like mm-hmm. men going through loss. And there, there was some stuff for sure, but it wasn't nearly as much um, as I expected. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think there's like two or three topics there uh, all intertwined in that. Like uh, I think men, I mean, I, I want to commend, I guess, 2019 society that we're kind of becoming a little bit more accommodating in regards to what men can do and what men can think and what men can say to each other without being, being judged or something. And, um, you know, cause I, I think 50 years ago or something, or like even our dads, you know, they, they'd share a Bud Light or something and they, you're right. They talk about cars, they talk about sports, but if, if there was something genuinely bothering them I, I don't think men at that time were comfortable even, i mean even if it was just the dudes you know even if it was just the guys and um i mean me personally i have uh some personal mentors that are men and you know have have reached out or have re- reached out in the past and you know you can have those those open dialogues but you're, you're absolutely right and i think that i think you know we need to kind of push for it's okay. I mean, male, female, whatever, like we just need to be more comfortable with sharing these things is whether you're on the giving or the receiving side, like sometimes you just don't know how to start it or you don't know how to receive it. Like I've read in books or online or whatever that like sometimes just somebody's presence, like just knowing somebody has come to your house or something or called, like it's not so much the active like the action of that it's it's the thought of the action it's how the action is like perceived you know somebody can show up with my house to my house with a tray full of lasagna and it's it's not the food it's not it's it's the thought that like somebody cared enough to take time out of their day to come see me you know yeah, yeah. and then when it comes to i'm sorry i got i get like um so there was like the male aspect and then like the sports aspect kind of Well, it's just kind of like, I guess my thought, I mean, you totally just touched on it is I think there's so much to be gained by having these conversations and Mm -hmm. sharing this openness. Um, Mm -hmm. Because dude, I mean, you know, if someone looked you up online, they're going to see a picture of macho man, you know what I mean? Like, and which is awesome. And like, is in my opinion is like the greatest thing in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what if, you, you don't, I don't, don't want to poo-poo deeper, on that. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. To dig deeper into like you as a person and you sharing these stories where like someone can be like maybe going through their own tough time and then they're like, oh my God, like, you know, Phil Macho Man has gone through these tough times as well. And like, look at his thoughts about these and like these lessons he's kind of, is able to kind of like pass along along the way. I think that's super powerful. Yeah. I mean, what if, I don't want to poo poo on that image, but, but what if, what if the macho man like, isn't, isn't so macho? Like what if, 
what if that whole thing, you know, whatever it is that I do that I, I, I mean, I do draw inspiration from that and stuff, but like, what if that's, and this was nowhere near the intention because I was doing this, uh, when everything was hunky dory, I, I remember being up at Hershey park with my then pregnant wife before like a Hershey half marathon or something. And like, she was helping me get my, my quote unquote costume on or whatever, like this is just something I was doing before life ran its course. But, and, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this for that reason, but, but what if it's a, a metaphor to say, like, just keep, keep doing it. Like not, not necessarily like fake it till you make it, but you don't get courage before you do something. You get courage after you get, it, it goes along the lines of like, you don't see the repercussion, not the repercussions. You don't see the, the bounty of what you've sowed until it, it grows and it blossoms and stuff like that. And what if it's an analogy of just like, you know, people could look back 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, my, my greatest achievement, my greatest accomplishment will be like raising my kiddos, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's the actions I take every single day even when I don't feel like being patient or I don't feel like being empathetic or I don't feel like going to their show, I, I show up and I'm there. And it's like, it's not that you don't want to be there, but it's, it's, it's these conscious decisions that we make every single day. That's what like builds our character. Yeah, man. Well, so. I think, I think like, I think it's almost like a metaphor of like, I think it is macho, man. <laughs> it's my, I realized I just said macho man, but I, yeah. I think it is macho, dude. I think like, I think it is showing you like to do this is the macho thing to do, to like talk about your story and share it and, and help people, you know, in whatever way you can. And for me too, it's like, if sharing my story is going to help somebody, then why wouldn't I share it? You know, but I struggled with that for the longest time. And I don't know, man. I think it's super commendable. But. When I when I run uh, any race, or when I when I run the Marine Corps Marathon, and I'm all dolled up, and I, I got on a cowboy hat and a sequence and stuff like that, I, I'm not. I, at least I don't. I, I I don't think I'm like a, a, a psychopath or something. But I realize that those people that are all there are not there for me. Like I I, I know that. But when I'm running, and when I feel like I'm free or something like that and when people are cheering and everything like that like they don't need to know phil pinty's story they don't need to know what i've overcome or what any runner for that matter has overcome but i feel like when we're doing what we're doing our biggest uh fan our biggest advocate is like ourselves, you know yeah and it doesn't matter you know, you and I will never be elite athletes. We'll never, but we, we can still have these awesome adventures and we can still meet really crazy, inspiring people. And I, I think it's, it, you're absolutely right. Like we're sponges. And if anybody can, can hear this, if anybody can see you and I at a race or are partaken in an adventure that we're going to take this summer or five years from now, or, you know, the friendships that have been made, um, to me, that's like irreplaceable. And I'm not going to stop. It sounds silly or it sounds stupid. Like, I don't know when I'm going to stop doing that. I don't, you know, I don't want to be that 50 year old guy, you know, showing up to a race in some sort of costume. But 
you know, I'll be the one, I'll be the one to say when I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't even know I need to like put a, put a date on the calendar or something like that. Like it just brings me so much joy and so much happiness to see, see people getting excited. Like I draw excitement from their excitement. Or yeah. if I see little kids at a race and they put out my, put out their hands for a high five or something like to a little kid, like we can all be superheroes, you know? Yeah. You're a superhero for your kids. And I'm a superhero for my kid and it's kids. And it's like, it's just about, you have to embrace the role that you've been given. If you, if you do anything, there's like a guy from like parks and rec. He has like that, that silly quote that like, you know, I don't half ass anything. I full I full ass everything, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, don't half ass anything. If you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. You're not always going to be the best. You're not always going to win the race or get the accolades, but like, just, don't half-ass it. Give it all. Like to me, macho is not in this gender crazy time that we live in. Like to me, macho doesn't mean macho. It means heart. It means passion. It means, you know, it can mean something to any, they're just words. Like it, it's just, it's just a, it's a symbol to me that just keep showing up and like thing, things are bound to get better if you just keep applying yourself. So yeah, man, dude, I think that's probably like the perfect place to kind of wrap this one. Um, is there anything else you definitely like want to add anything that we didn't, we didn't get to? You and I, you and I were talking offline before the cast and, uh, you know, the, the movie, the wrestler came up. <laughs> I wrote that in my notes actually. Uh, and I was like, maybe we won't get to it today, but yeah, dude, I, I, we talked, we were texting back and forth about, uh, the wrestler. Yeah. So just, I mean, if you want to paint the picture of just what you, what you asked me and what you thought, what, what was my take on it? Okay. So if you haven't seen the wrestler, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's basically about this kind of, uh, like beat up, you know, 20 years removed from his glory days, a uh, professional wrestler named Randy the Ram, played by Mickey Rourke. And here's the thing I think about when I think about this movie or like Rocky or any movie really is like, if you just watch the last 10 minutes of Rocky and you see the fight, like, yeah, you can draw some motivation from that. But if you see the story leading up to it and you're like, these are the things this guy had to overcome. Um, that's the story, right? Like, that's why we love Rocky when he gets up after being knocked down is because you're like, man, I saw this guy go through the training. I saw him have all these self doubts and, you know, battle his way, battle his way through kind of his own misery, I guess. And the wrestler is kind of the same way. And you see this guy throughout the movie and he's broken down, but you like him. He's very likable. And the final match rolls around and he finally gets like, kind of like, almost like, uh, he gets a taste of that old glory he had where he's going to wrestle in front of all these people now. Um, and the end of the movie, like, first of all, oh, spo spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, the end of the movie, he comes out and he, I, I, I'm trying to remember cause it's been a while since I've seen it, but he's having like heart issues, right. Or something. Yep. Okay. And they're telling him not to wrestle, but he's like, this is where I feel like, this is where I finally feel again. 
mm-hmm. and he goes out anyways and he goes to the ring and he makes this awesome speech and he's doing his wrestling thing and mm-hmm. he gets to the top rope and the end of the movie is him on the turnbuckle and he's about to jump off which is his like finishing move right mm-hmm. and he it zooms into his face and he's just so happy and he like just streaming with emotions like and i asked you i was like because then he jumps and then it ends and i'm like did randy the ram die like what mm-hmm. do you think <laughs> mm-hmm. and what like your response i was like oh yeah duh. i missed the point of the movie because <laughs> phil totally just got this no, it's like, I mean, like, like you said, you did an awesome job, like building it up and like any movie has to have substance as to like the why, like why, why the person's a hero, why the person's an anti-hero, you know, what gives the drama its substance. And, um, you know, throughout the movie, Mickey Rourke's character is just like so down on his luck and he's got a crappy relationship with his daughter and you know, just hanging out in bad places with bad people, but like meet somebody, Marissa Tomei, who plays like a stripper and stuff. And he's just, you see all of his ups and downs and in-betweens and like what gives this guy substance. And, you know, in that in that match, the last match, the other wrestler, I forget the guy's name, but he kind of tells him, because it's all choreographed, it's all scripted. And he like kind of tell he kind of tells Mickey Rourke's character, the Ram, to just initiate the pin. Like just go for the pin. Yeah. And um, Mickey Rourke's like, nah, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this like my way. I'm going to go out my way. And like, so you ask, you know, when he jumps and then it just fades to black, like my, my answer to that was like, I don't want to be like all artsy fartsy or anything, but like, to me, it doesn't matter whether he, he finished the move or he succumbed to like living the, the life that he did, like in that moment. I mean, the movie was just, it, it didn't get the, critic, the critical acclaim or what. I mean, I understand it's a movie about freaking pro wrestling, but, you know, just the way it's scripted and it's edited and stuff like that, like, when you, when you see Mickey Ork clamoring to try to climb up to the top rope and, like, put his arms up over his head, and, like, he, he's claiming, like, personal victory for, yeah. for anyone there who's to witness it. And to me, I mean, my response was just, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you're... I mean, obviously, I'm not, I'm not telling people to go out and live vicariously or, or live like a rock star or something like that with no repercussions. I'm just saying, as long as you're okay with what you're doing and, like, you're not hurt anybody, like, this guy had a really crummy, crappy life. But, like, in that moment, there's no place he would have rather been than, like, right there, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think that's a powerful message, man. I mean, like you said, be – at the end of the day you make the decisions and if you're making them intentional and you're following like your own morals and your own integrity and you're not Mm -hmm. you know how it feels man i've made decisions or like reacted in ways that went against my own integrity and it feels super shitty like Mm -hmm. you, you feel the guilt and all that stuff so if you're just if you just seek out to live your life where you're like i'm gonna live within my own integrity here like what's more fulfilling than that yeah at the end of the day i mean it's all that's all we really got chris you know yeah man sweet well dude thank you so much for coming on the show phil i i know we talked a lot before this one and you just said if this can resonate with one person then you'll feel you know if you feel good about sharing like being this open and things like that and i 100 percent agree 
ever ever since we first talked, I know we need to wrap this up, but like I really was on the fence about like whether to share it or not to share it. And like, you know, maybe somebody would say, you know, Phil, you don't need, you, you didn't need to share it on such an open uh, platform. Um, I mean, I sought, I've sought therapy. I've spoken with people, you know, given the circumstances of, of what I was going through, uh, questions or, or thoughts of like me taking medication or antidepressants, like I got no stigma or anything about all of that. I mean, I'm no expert in the matter and everyone's got their own circumstance, but I'm not saying I'm any sort of uh, success story or I'm, I'm completely through the woods or anything, but just be as open and honest, like with yourself, like if there's goals that you have, if there's things you'd like to address, if there's things you need to work on with yourself, like make a list and every day you're not going to get through it right away, but like make a list and just keep track of it and hold yourself accountable and whatever anybody else wants to think like they can think that. But I, I think that we've got the power in ourselves. We just have to acknowledge it. So yeah. 100% man cool well Thanks, dude, we'll have you back on at some point you're actually coming out here uh before desert rats me and you are going to be uh two men and a baby for a couple <laughs> days it'll be kind of fun i'm looking forward to the pre pre-rat slumber party <laughs> all right man well we'll we'll definitely do another episode before that and it'll probably be more like you know on how we prepared this time for yeah. just sweltering temperatures and and blisters on our feet so <laughs> keep up keep up the outstanding work chris it was thank a pleasure you man to yep thank you all right man all right we'll, we'll see you take you take care all right thank you so much phil for coming on the show um i'm i'm looking forward to hanging with you so much uh come june man it's gonna be awesome uh and thank you i'm so grateful uh, to listen to your story and be able to kind of like share in this journey with you, man. Uh, I think for anyone going through something like this, it can be easy to kind of like withdraw or uh, kind of close in how you actually feel. And I, I'm so honored that Phil, uh, Phil shared with me. Um, so yeah, hopefully you guys draw something from a story. Um, unfortunately, grief is something kind of like at some point in our lives, it's unavoidable. And uh, and it's something that you, like we said, you just kind of have to face head on. So uh, thank you, Phil, for sharing. Like, I don't, I don't know if he understands just how much it means to me to be able to talk about these things with someone um, and kind of, you know, fi figure out life, <laughs> figure out life uh, together as best we can. Um, Cause that's all you can do at the end of the day is uh, do your best. Um, and I got to say, Phil, after we talked, he texted me a whole bunch of pictures uh, to look through to use as the potential like podcast cover for this week. And, um, there were a lot of pictures of him and Jen and I mean, she looks absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful in all of them. And it just, from someone who never met her in person, just based off of these pictures, she like radiates this joy and positivity and, and it's, 
it's just incredible and it would be the hardest thing in the world to uh to lose someone like that in your life so um keep on keeping on brother and uh and thank you again for for kind of sharing your thoughts and your reflections with me and with everybody who listens to the podcast so um yeah uh And thank you guys for listening this week and we'll get back at you next week. See you then.